It's very easy to deliver when things are very linear, but when there's some curveballs thrown your way, do you have any desire to to navigate those? Always understanding that you have to be open to you know varying terrain, and you want to stay the course for what is right. It's not just a person that can handle change. It's do they lean into it with positivity? Lift your head up a bit and think about sharing that knowledge to say, if I'm having this problem, maybe my colleagues might be having the same problems. And what you first have to do is to say, as a talent acquisition professional, you hire great talent. TA is the key to the ignition. None of the business objectives can happen if we don't hire amazing talent. Hello, Carla. Welcome to Hiring in All Cylinders. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm awesome, thank you. And even better, uh, knowing we're going to get a chance to talk about something really exciting. Um, so I guess let's let's jump straight in. Um, we were talking earlier, and traditionally, companies look at two main areas when they're assessing candidates and thinking about building teams, and that's IQ and EQ. But I know that you feel really strongly about um, something else, and that's AQ. Um, so I guess could we start by you talking to us a bit more about what AQ is and why you think and feel so important, I feel it's so important. Yeah, thank you uh, for the question. Um, AQ, to put it simply, is really a adaptability quotient. Uh, it's the ability for someone to successfully navigate change and still deliver uh, at a high level. And you mentioned why is it important. If you think about all the twists and turns that we've seen across tech, across uh, the economy overall, our ability to navigate change is really the only thing that we can lean on in those types of moments to ensure that we stay the course uh, and achieve our, our company objectives. So hiring people that naturally have that ability is really more important in times like this. And do you think that this is an area that companies have neglected or generally has been neglected in the kind of interview and assessment process? And, and why do you think it hasn't been given as much significance as, as you think it deserves? I think overall, just the profiles that companies have hired, I think, have evolved over time. So as we all know, talent strategy is fluid. And I think that there was a time where people really over-indexed on the technical skills, you know, certifications, uh, things like that. Then it it moved to, you know, creating more inclusive environments so people that understood, you know, what it took to successfully lead a team and to navigate the workspace. So EQ, you know, became a a quite high topic. And, and so I think, you know, naturally the business and the needs of uh, any company in the world tends to shape what you need to do. And so I think that companies were doing the right thing for the task at hand, but obviously, you know, we have to evolve. And so I think AQ was born uh, of that. And if you, um, was that inspired by a certain event or a certain company or a manager that, or someone you worked with that, that you saw assessing for this? Or how did that come about something you you really pinpoint as being um, something to focus on? It's really interesting. Uh, though I didn't really think about, you know, the phrase or the title at the time, I would say that I first realized it's important back in my days in the Air Force. I used to assist with uh, aerospace control. And so you would get planes off doing training missions and things were very calm and normal and you know, once you got them in the air, you were sort of sitting back, but uh, an engine could go out or something, or there was an in-flight emergency. And all of a sudden you had to quickly, you know, jump into action and find the, the quickest, safest path to get that aircraft la landed. And, and so for me, I, I think unknowingly, I was realizing how important of a skill that was because those who, you know, 
cracked under the pressure or weren't calm, um, if you can't adapt to the task at hand and still achieve the objective, it's a real problem. And so, uh, you know, little did I know that uh, the experience I got way back when would be so relevant for me now, many years removed, uh, being in TA. That's so cool. And there is that analogy of uh, building a company and specifically a high growth tech company is like building a plane whilst or flying a plane whilst you're building it. Is that the phrase? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is pretty apt uh, in this situation. And I guess so. How does um, how do you go about you know searching for this ability or behavioral kind of set of traits? Um, what methods have you found successful um, in your organization? I think it is you know technical expertise, people understanding the workflow of recruiting, the various components, understanding what great looks like. You know those are core things that you will always need. Uh, but it is really you know number one understanding if people even desire to be in an ever-changing environment. It's very easy to deliver when things are very linear. You know, you know you need to go from point A to point B, but when there's some curveballs thrown your way, do you have any desire to, to navigate those? And so as I'm thinking about talent, I'm thinking about people who really lean into that because they see sort of these twists and turns that we go through as learning opportunities. Inevitably, when you are solving a very complex problem that you didn't know would come, when you're in it, it does not feel great. But when you successfully solve it, it's the best feeling in the world. And so you, you really want to just talk to people and just find out, you know, what are your thoughts on change? Um, and then, you know, how have you grown through change? Give me examples of when you started down a path and something pivoted, sort of what was the scenario? I mean, most importantly, how did you feel when that change was happening? And then how did you positively let that fuel you to continue to be successful? Because the, the thing with uh, AQ to me is it's not just a person that can handle change. It's do they lean into it with positivity, you know, not sort of kicking and screaming. Do they see it as do they realize I will be better once I navigate this? That to me is the biggest thing. Yeah, that's because I think there's a something that happens quite a lot where people are looking to transition from maybe larger, more slow paced companies and come into, you know, startups or high growth tech. Um, and it's not necessarily a skill-based issue, like you just said, or, um, they think that they, uh, would enjoy it, but actually being in it and the emotions you feel when things are changing constantly, um, is, can be quite difficult for some people and it feel quite overwhelming. Um, how how do you um i guess test for that is that really about searching for like you just said like prior historic examples uh of th when they've been in those situations and and how would you test for it if they hadn't if they were coming in from you know maybe a totally different environment um would you look at kind of stuff that's happened in their life maybe that that isn't work related would that suffice i think that that's relevant i think you know obviously uh behind every successful talent acquisition professional, there's a person with a life and, and story. And I do think that, and I know in my own life, um, a lot of my work success is because of some of the things that I've conquered in my personal life. And, and so that certainly uh, is relevant. But I think it, it's, it's really, does a person possess a growth mindset? Um, are they rigid in their thinking? Uh, as an example, as a leader, on a Monday, I can have what I think is the best idea that I've socialized with all of the right people and it was based on that set of uh, data points that we gathered, it was the best thing to do. But there could be a decision that was made someplace that completely made what we all aligned on 
now the right thing. A person with AQ, and so be it an IC or a manager, always wants to think about like, what is the best thing for that particular company? And now that you've gotten new data, the solution may need to be different. And so in some cases, are you, know, are you going to allow maybe ego to, because you've put in so many man hours or, you know, or, or hours of work on something to push it through just to say, yep, we achieved what we said we'd do, or B, can you operate with humility and say, actually, now that the, the ecosystem has changed, what we thought we wanted to do is no longer the right decision and we need to pivot. That is kind of what I mean. It is always understanding that you have to be open to you know, varying terrain and you wanna stay the course for what is right. Um, what is the right decision, not who owns the decision, um, not to show that you completed something because ultimately your company's going to be better if you are doing what is actually best when all the data points uh, come in. And sometimes those data points will change. They, you know, the set of facts changes daily sometimes. And so I think you have to work with people who understand that. And so it's very important that you have people that have a high business acumen. And if they don't already have one, that do they desire to understand that? Do they proactively want to understand how their portion of work fits into the big picture? Because if they do, then when a decision is made that may have a uh, codependent or a tangential impact on them, they're better able to process the change in the why. Oftentimes, if people just, you know, some can reduce it to say, well, wait a minute, but we were supposed to do this. You said on Monday we do this. People that tend to sort of lift out of that and understand the big picture and the strategy and then like the codependencies and the other factors that really drive our work, they tend to operate with a bit more enthusiasm because, you know, they take it less personally because a lot of, you know, business um, decisions are not, they're not, they're not personal at all. And so that's what I mean. It's just understanding more. Therefore, when change comes, you have already set your mind. You're like, this is business. Things will change all the time. It's a very normal thing. And I want us to be successful. Therefore, I'm going to be pliable and and sort of do what it takes and, and adopt or, you know, adopt a mentality that I think is helpful. And most importantly, adapt what I'm doing to meet those like ever-changing demands. We talked a little bit about how you assess for these for, for maybe more incoming members of, of staff um, and team members. Um, if you have an existing team um, that you feel maybe isn't, you know, uh, modeling these behaviors um, very well at the moment and is maybe getting hung up on you know, the idea rather than um, the, the business outcome. Do you think these behaviors are kind of moldable and shape, uh, able to shape them within your team via training or um, setting example as a leader um, and all the things that leaders can do to kind of encourage that internally um, with existing team members? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that it's something uh, that is teachable and I've personally done that. And I think the first thing that you have to do as a leader um, is to break down silos across your team, is to uh, develop a one team mentality. And what does that mean? It means that if you're solving a problem for yourself, right, lift your head up a bit and think about sharing that knowledge to say, if I'm having this problem, maybe my colleagues might be having the same problem. So let me share A, the problem and B, what that solution was. So that would be, you know, number one. The second piece is to uh, paint the picture for uh, the value of being a fungible resource across a company. So as an example, sometimes in TA, people can say, I only do, you know, non-tech talent acquisition or I do tech talent acquisition. And what you first have to do is to say, as a talent acquisition professional, you hire great talent. And based on the needs of the business, 
it could mean that it's tech or it could mean that it's non-tech uh, and you have to be open you know, for that. And so now you've built a culture where everybody understands it's one team who needs to be fungible and then you overlay it with, and now let's be adaptable. And that's where we can apply what we've learned. But, you know, everybody wants to grow in their careers. And so as leaders, we have to outline, you know, the what's in it for me. How will you be better? And what I always say for talent acquisition professionals is that you want to add tools to your toolkit. Um, and, the, and even if you don't need them in that moment, there will become a time where maybe you do. So as an example, if you're too much of an SME in a topic, and I'll just take legal, for example, if all you've ever hired is legal and then you find yourself looking for a new role, uh, and the company wants someone who can hire, I don't know, product managers, and you've never touched product, you've kind of done yourself a bit of a disservice. So you always want to collect a set of, of different tools so that they can they can shape you because we never know in business what the needs are going to be. Every year when headcount comes, we don't know what it's going to be. So you want to diversify your skill set and thinking more broadly as you think about your own career and talent, you need to expose yourself to different types of hiring take a role like myself, there's very few roles where, you know, you will become a VP and you only lead one type of hiring. You tend to need to understand many different pockets of hiring. And so getting that early exposure, it will help, but it'll also create opportunity for you um, so that no matter what the business needs are, uh, the ebbs and flows, if it's for finance, hiring one year sales, one year tech, you've built up a body of work and you've proven your ability to be someone who can can plug and play and be successful because you just you understand how to calibrate very quickly against different skill sets and then deliver and that is the type of resource that any person would have and, and it stemmed from just simply choosing to be adaptable versus saying i only hire for x or y uh, but being open to it and i don't know about anyone else but i would always rather have more skills than i need at any given time absolutely I think I kind of feel like the specialism stems from like staffing firms where I think there maybe it does make sense to have more of a specialism because you're building your pool of candidates and you're, you're known for this very specific thing. But I absolutely agree with you that once you, you know, move into an in-house role, you're becoming more of a business partner and having a more a wider understanding of the organization, how business works, the different departments, you know, analytics, data, the tech teams, non-tech teams, that's only going to benefit you and your career moving forwards. And I think it's really relevant at the moment because a lot of recruiters and people in TIA, I think are thinking about how to build defensible, more defensible careers and skill sets, right? Especially with the volatility we've seen over the last couple of years, um, you know, talks that AI is gonna replace, you know, a lot of the work that um, recruiters traditionally do. So I absolutely feel like what you're saying um, has a huge benefit to the individual as well as the business. Um, because, you know, in times like this, when companies maybe are more constrained for resource and budget, um, it makes sense that they're going to, you know, hire someone who can do more and have more reach across the organization. Um, and um, I guess, have you gone through a process of kind of encouraging your team to, 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 look, at, to look at those different options and see how valuable that different experience is? Uh, could be for them and um if so kind of how how have you seen that change within your team and the benefits that it's brought to your team yeah i think um it it is directly something that i've done um in just about every role that i've had and i i do it now currently and have done so currently in my team and i'll, I'll give you a, a an example 
you know, there are some people who may have a specialization of sourcing and they love to source and they either never had been given an opportunity to, you know, go full life cycle. Um, but giving them the opportunity and, and showing them the benefit of knowing how it's like, it's not that, you know, we're going to say that you, you can't just source, but we want to build your skills so that you are able to go full life cycle. Because sometimes if it's too fragmented out and maybe there's a time where we have a robust supply of candidates and the quote unquote recruiters, um, have, don't have the capacity, uh, then, then what is that person to do in this case that will allow that person to directly, you know, control that candidate experience from end to end. And they've now built a skill because, you know, down the line, either A, once they try it, they may actually love it, which is great. But B, they've built a skill that when a business pivot happens, they're now able to tap back into that. And so I've done that across just about every team that I have, because I want uh, anybody on any team that I work with to have those foundational skills and to be in talent acquisition. It's not solely limited to just sort of sourcing and recruiting. It is also about analytics, stakeholder management, um, the ability to storytell, um, you know, understanding uh, effective communication, understanding change management, all of those different things. And so I want to uh, enable my teams to develop those skills, whether they use them all the time or sometimes at least they have them. And I, I think that once you build the muscle, you find new things that motivate you because you also break up some of the monotony in their day-to-day -day work. They're getting to do something different because, you know, growth is not always linear uh, where you're, you're just moving up the ranks. Sometimes you grow by broadening your existing skill set. And I know that members of my team, pretty much any team I've ever worked with, I think have, have become better talent acquisition professionals by doing that, by just taking on those other things um, that make them better. So, you know, as an example, you know, some teams have the benefit of having a dedicated data analyst. And so they might, you know, overly rely upon the analyst to compile data for them. But those who are growth mindset and at least understand how to do it themselves, guess what? If ever there's a time where you don't have an analyst, you can still be successful and your success is not reliant on someone else's ability to get data for you. So those are some of the early things that I've been able to instill within my teams. And what I found more times than not, when they get exposure into the thing that they were maybe scared of, they find a lot of joy in it. And then as they get better, they're excited to see how they're progressing in sort of uh, building this new skill. And some people, you know, may say, I want to be a data analyst now, as an example. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Have you noticed people actually, once they pick up a new skill, it actually opens up a new career path for them. But it sounds like, yes. And I guess, obviously, we've been talking about how to encourage this in, in teams, how to assess for team members. Um, but, you know, some might say you have one of the coolest jobs in TA working for Reddit. And um, how have you used it and how could other leaders use it when looking to build their careers you know, and, and kind of take action on this uh, adaptivity uh, quotient? Um, are there anything that you feel has been really successful in kind of harnessing this in, in your own career and development so the adaptability piece um yeah, yeah. I, I would just say i think um to me what it does is it further enables a leader to know how successful his or her or their team can actually be no matter what comes their way sometimes um so if you think about this if you hire it from the very beginning and you're looking at least for those attributes either people who already have that attribute or people who uh, desire to build that, you're fortifying your team. 
and and so that your team will be able to deliver, you know, in those moments that matter. And you won't have any sort of pockets of resistance because, you know, sometimes, you know, things change that we don't always have direct control over. But if you have a set of people who just, you know, want to win, they want to learn, they understand uh, that challenges create opportunities uh, and they want to skill build um, and they win or or lose as one team. If you do that, then I think you will have just a better team. And you can like when you think about what can my team achieve, if you have to do forecasting, you're able to make a better prediction of what your team's capabilities are versus uh, trying something new and they're never sort of battle tested. In this case, if you hire to this profile, you're you're all at the top of the funnel. You're already positioning yourself to be to have a better ability to navigate successfully change as it comes. And so uh, it's just something that for me has always been the case. And I don't disagree that people can have you know specializations, but I think I think of it as every person should at least at minimum be able to have a primary and then a secondary skill. And that's what I mean. Now, in some cases, people end up taking on tertiary skills and, you know, down the line, many other things. But I do think that that is just um, that's just great. So that way, you know, maybe you need to reallocate bandwidth based on some changes. There's leaves that come up. There's an unexpected resignation, what have you. You're, you don't have these single points of failure throughout your organizations. And I know this is maybe like a million dollar question here, but is there a way of kind of measuring how adaptable your team is or how adaptable the person is um, in terms of, you know, if a leader is saying, well, okay, we're doing a really great job at being adaptable or we're not. Is there a way that you can kind of quantify that? Yeah, I, I think you can look at, uh, well, one of the, the easy ways I think is, um, you know, I mentioned that talent acquisition strategy is fluid and uh, your team composition, uh, sort of the profiles that you hire, uh, your org design, so in many cases, your org design can evolve. And what you find is, in many cases, um, you won't need as much sort of staff augmentation in some cases because you're, you're, you're hiring previously to fill skill gaps. But what you're realizing is that you're actually all proactively uh, avoiding points of failure and, and building competencies within your team. So that way, when you do need to augment in some way, you're truly left for those one-off uh, things that you may need. Or if there's just a surge in volume, um, but in many cases, you um, are able to optimize the performance of people on your teams. So you don't need to, you know, overhire to do so. That would be one of the number one indicators. And I've seen a lot of success in doing that because and people have more joy in their work and you, you break down the silos um, within your team and people learn from one another. So, you know, it enhances your ability to cross pollinate who does the hiring and you have. Uh, so if uh, let's assume someone who is a, a really uh, relied upon proven performer in, I don't know, product hiring, and they're going on a long leave or vacation, you know, their hiring partners aren't, you know, overly concerned because they have trust in your organization. They understand the way that you work. And it is a matter of just, you know, which person will do the work, but there's not a concern anymore because, you know, this one person, you know, uh, was the SME. They understand that you have skill built within your teams and that there's a whole village uh, of people that can help with their needs. So that's those are indicators. The trust factor with your hiring partners goes way up. And I think within your teams, the trust goes. And it has another element of success, meaning a lot of times people are so committed to do the work that they're worried about something dropping if they take a vacation. And so in this case, I think it enables people to be more comfortable being out of the office because they know that their team members have their back. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that um, it would definitely, when I was you know, hands-on recruiting, I always used to relish the opportunity to do something new because like you said, it's a, it's a break. You know, if you're doing, you know, you're recruiting for Java engineers, that can be a grind sometimes, you know, um, you know, sourcing similar profiles, you know, very low response rates typically. Um, and sometimes when you can pivot to, you know, um, maybe some sales hiring, which is a bit more high volume, it's a different challenge. It's a different feeling. It kind of breaks up that monotony, um, as well as all the other great benefits that you have, you have mentioned, which, uh, so I think that this is really relevant for the time. And I think a lot of talent leaders should be looking at this. Um, because I know that everyone right now is really assessing how they build talent functions of the future. It's on every talent leader's minds, I think at the moment, um, because I feel people are realizing the way it's being done traditionally just isn't that sustainable. And I think this is definitely a step towards you know, having a more sustainable um, talent function, which is really awesome. Um, so so one, one question um, before we wrap things up, Carla, is um, what are you uh, most excited about when, when we're thinking about the future of talent acquisition? Honestly, what I'm, I'm most excited about, I am super passionate about investing in our future leaders. And, uh, and I think, you know, so exposing them to things like this uh, early in their career, uh, I know that by the time they reach their, you know, tenure uh, to get around, you know, my years of experience, I want to position them to be way better than I am. Um, you know, by building these sort of growth mindset teams who work as one team, who uh, wants to share knowledge, who wants to invest in one another, who uh, is unafraid of challenge, who understands uh, and has a high degree uh, to achieve business acumen, who understands why decisions are made and, and who forge amazing partnerships early. Um, I'm excited to sort of see all the folks as they uh, grow in their careers and ultimately end up in roles like mine, all the amazing work that they will do. And, and you know, the, the number one thing that I ask of them is just to see them begin to pay it forward to, you know, share the knowledge. That's half the thing uh, in our, our field is how do you share what you know to make someone else better? Uh, and, it, and it has a world impact. If you think about this, you know, for me, I, I work in, you know, a tech company and for others that work in, you know, other uh, areas, TA is the key to the ignition. None of the business objectives can happen if we don't hire amazing talent and never losing sight of that. And so us creating future leaders that can keep that going, we enable uh, economies, uh, people to build amazing products. And so that's what I'm most excited about. Awesome. I think that might be my favorite answer yet, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I feel inspired. Um, so um, is there anywhere people can kind of find you um, you're outside of this podcast? Yes, uh, they are welcome to look me up, follow me, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my LinkedIn is just Carla H. McIntosh. Uh, so I, I welcome dialogue. And if I can be helpful, I always uh, want to make myself available. Awesome. Well, really great speaking to you, Carla. Um, see you very soon. Great. Thank you. Bye.